This is Asha Voices. I'm JD Gray. This year, Asha Voices is asking questions about access to hearing care and what researchers and clinicians are doing to improve it. At the center of this conversation is a new classification of hearing devices, over-the-counter hearing aids. Legislation for this new type of device, meant for people with self-perceived mild to moderate hearing loss, went into effect in October making the OTC hearing aids available without a prescription. What that means for both audiologists and the public is just beginning to play out. Today's guest is asking questions about what these devices might mean for people who live in rural areas with no audiology services, and she's decided to take those questions on the road. Audiologist Marsha Hay McCutcheon is a professor at the University of Alabama. She's conducting her research out of a 40-foot-long, 33,000-pound mobile clinic. It's part of the Hear Hear Alabama project. That's H-E-A-R. H-E-R-E. I spoke with Marsha at the end of October. She's preparing to embark on a clinical trial. I asked her to tell us about what she's hoping to learn. We here in Alabama think that the -the over-the-counter hearing aids are a wonderful thing for people who don't have access to any hearing health care. But we know that we probably can't just expect people to order these online and to fit them for themselves. There's probably going to have to be some support. And the reason we think that is because access to internet here is spotty. Most of the devices that are available, you'll have to have some sort of app on a smartphone to fit them. And that's great for people who are very comfortable and familiar with playing around with technology in an app on their phone, but for a lot of people who live in rural communities in Alabama, they don't have regular access to the internet. So they're not as comfortable just playing around with a phone app as somebody who has access all the time. What we're trying to do is to determine, well, how much support are people in rural communities who don't have internet access or are not comfortable working with a phone app, how much support are they going to need to fit these devices? We have three groups that we're looking at and the support level varies amongst the group. And so we have a number of outcome measures that will hopefully tell us, okay, this group of individuals did the best in terms of their outcome measures. This group didn't do very well. So we're hoping that we really get those definitive outcomes across groups so that that will then help us to determine how much support is needed. In September of last year, we produced an episode of the podcast. It was called OTCs on the Horizon, right? This is just as we were anticipating the legislation. And guests talked about audiologists giving a renewed or strengthened role to oral rehabilitation because of the availability of OTCs. Are you including oral rehabilitation in your research? Yes, and that's the part of the support I think that we're talking about. Everybody will get all of the support before the end of their trial. It just depends on when they get that support as the trial is progressing. We're training, in fact, we're doing that right now, we're training what we're calling hearing health coaches to be able to provide support to adults who receive these over-the-counter hearing aids. We're giving them information about hearing loss, 
basics about hearing loss, the basics about how we evaluate people with hearing loss, and then just information about the hearing aids, these over-the-counter hearing aids themselves, how to program it on the app, how to turn it on and off, very basic information. So that when they go to work with people who've received these over-the-counter devices, they'll hopefully be comfortable providing that support. So, you know, it's great that the truck comes to these small rural communities, but the truck has to leave at some point. And so we want to make sure that when the truck leaves, residents in the communities can still receive support that they need. That's the whole community health advisor training, or as I mentioned, what we're calling the hearing health coaching training. In March of this year, you told the Asha Leader magazine, quote, I realized that there were very limited resources for people with hearing loss outside of the larger centers here in Alabama. Once you go into rural areas, there are almost no clinical services for people with hearing loss, end quote. So this is kind of what you're talking about now. You know, think of the number of people living far from clinics. If your research demonstrates the value of oral rehabilitation with OTCs, how might that be replicated for folks in the future? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. You know, we're hoping that our data does show that people will need some sort of support in terms of oral rehabilitation after they receive their hearing aids. But how that looks like in the future and how we can fund that, we still got to work all of that out. I'm thinking about the possibility of providing these services through local community pharmacies. Is this where OTC hearing aids are going to be provided to people who live in rural communities? And if they are, then maybe we can collaborate with pharmacists and pharmacy technicians to work that out. But as I mentioned, we're still at the beginning stages here, and there's a lot that we have to work on. You mentioned that in Alabama, you see it as an opportunity that the -the over-the-counter hearing aids could create access for folks who live far from an audiologist, far from any hearing care services. Do you have any concerns about the devices? My, I guess my one concern is that somebody would purchase these devices on their own and not have any support. And, you know, maybe that would be fine for some people, but for others, it might not be fine. And, you know, they might try them on their own. And for one reason or another, they just can't seem to get any satisfaction from these devices. And so then the whole reason for having these over-the-counter hearing aids is lost. We want to increase access. And so if people can't fit them on their own, then we have an increased access. So that's my concern. And as I mentioned, you know, some people are going to be able to do this on their own without a problem. But my hunch is that others are going to need support with these devices. As you mentioned, without internet, that may mean that they need someone face-to-face. Yes, right. And who that is, hopefully we'll figure that out. Is there anything else that you're hoping to learn about the way OTC hearing aids may affect hearing care for people in rural settings? 
not necessarily just in rural settings. It could be in urban settings too. You know, I think audiologists need to be open to the fact that people might come to their clinic with these devices and they've purchased them on their own, but they need a little support. And I think audiologists need to be open to the fact that that should be another area of support. You know, if somebody does purchase these devices on their own, then audiologists should be open, I think, to providing that support if needed. This clinical trial is coming up ahead, but you've been driving the, uh, the, do you drive, are you the one behind the wheel? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, When we first, when the truck first landed in our parking lot, I looked at it and thought, I can drive that. But a CDL license was needed for that. So me and another woman in our clinic, we went to a little workshop where the truck was manufactured. And it was a two-day or three-day workshop where we learned basically how to drive it. And so I was 53 years old and I was taking this course and I felt like I was 16 years old all over again, learning how to drive. And when we first started taking this truck down to these small little centers, I remember one time, it's very clear in my mind, we pulled up to this small little community, the parking lot where we were parking, it wasn't very large. And there were two gentlemen who were standing or sitting outside of their homes, and they watched every single movement that I made with that truck. And, you know, this is big, huge thing just pulls up in front of them. And it's, you know, something out of the ordinary that they don't see every day in this rural town. And then I popped out of the driver's seat. Now, obviously, the listeners don't know what I look like, but I'm not the tallest person in the world. I'm just a little over five feet. And I'm not the youngest person in the world. You know, I mentioned that I was 53 when I first got my CDL. And so they did actually look at me a bit odd and asked, you know, you drive that thing? Yeah, I drive this thing. So... (laughs) Well, well, that's a that's a good story, and now and that's been a little while ago. So now you must be uh, much more comfortable behind the wheel, I assume. I am comfortable behind the wheel, but I'm really pleased that we now have a driver, and this driver lives in one of these small little rural communities, and he's able to do all of that stuff so that I don't have to worry about what we're doing on the day and driving the truck. So that's really good. Actually, you know what, JD, I have a little anecdotal story. Our driver, he also happens to be a pastor, and he knows a lot of people across counties. And he's kind of become interested in this over-the-counter hearing aid splash that's happened. And just a week or so ago, he said to me, you know, Marsha, I'm I'm, I'm a little concerned that our folks are going to have a hard time fitting these devices on their own. You know, just kind of confirmed to me that I'm not the only one who's a little concerned about this. You know, I'm really hopeful that what we're doing in our clinical trial then will be able to demonstrate that people in rural communities who lack internet access and are not comfortable with playing around on a phone app will need some support. 
Thinking outside of this specific trial, as you drive around Alabama, what else have you learned about the hearing needs of people who live far away from clinics? We had a number of discussions with people who, with hearing loss, with people who worked in the community, and with their friends and family. And all three groups, they all said, we need more resources in communities, in these rural communities. We need more education about hearing loss. One family member said to me, I know where to take my father to get his eyes checked. But I just thought, I don't know where to go to take his hearing checked, you know? That was a big thing. One of the community stakeholders said to me, we need to figure out how can we create what we need from what's already in our communities? So very insightful comments. Essentially, the overarching themes were the need for increased resources and education in these smaller rural communities. And that's something you can accomplish with the mobile clinic. We're hopeful that we can do that. Well, Marcia, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Yes. Great to be here. Want to learn more about mobile audiology? Listen to last week's episode of the podcast to hear two guests discuss designing and delivering hearing care on the road. Find that episode in the podcast archive and online at on.ash.org podcast. Today on the podcast, we talked about how over-the-counter hearing aids may affect access to hearing care. But if you want to learn more about how these devices may change the future of hearing devices, look to the pages of the November-December Asha Leader magazine. Look for a link to the article online on the blog post for this episode. That's at on.asha.org slash podcast. Asha Voices is produced by the American Speech Language Hearing Association and comes from the team behind the Asha Leader Magazine. I'm J.D. Gray, and this is Asha Voices.